Welcome to Access to Success. My name is Saeed Albasha. My business is insurance, but I found a passion in interviewing fascinating people and uncovering their success secrets. My goal is to share their stories with you in an effort to inspire you to overcome your obstacles and gain access to your success. My first guest is Christine Boo Slayman. At a young age, she had some health issues and she was determined to find a solution. By changing her diet, she found success in her own health. She's now an MS registered dietitian, nutritionist, food sensitivity specialist, and certified LEAP therapist. Obviously, she knows what she's talking about. In this episode, she goes into gut health, food sensitivity, and how she's changing lives by changing diets. Without further ado, Miss Healthy Selfie, Christine Boo Slayman. And we're live with Christine. Christine, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Well, Christine, you were telling me you focus on food sensitivities. Tell me about what, what that means. So basically, there's different foods that cause certain reactions in different people's bodies. And a lot of times food sensitivities can lead to inflammation, which again, can look different and show up differently for different people. So 70% of our immune system is in our gut. So a lot of times when, a, let's say, an unsafe reactive food is ingested, that can actually trigger inflammation. So for some people, that can show up as a migraine. Others, it can be arthritis, joint pain, um, digestive issues, even skin conditions like eczema and rashes. So it just depends on the person. Um, some people feel bloated and have different um, discomforts, heartburn, other a list of things that can be triggered by inflammation, which can be caused by food sensitivities. And I've been hearing a lot more about uh, gut health and gut bacteria. Uh, and is that something that you also study or, or specialize in? Yes. Um, so I'm a registered dietitian. I've been a dietitian since 2004. And about two years ago, I took an extra course and certification for food sensitivity and inflammation. And um, I have my master's in nutrition as well. So yes, I definitely have covered a lot of um, topics and learned a lot more and I keep learning every day about the microbiome, the link between the gut and our brain, and um, just more and more about how foods can really trigger different reactions in the body. Yeah. And it seems to be more and more leaning towards the nutrition part rather than just exercise or the balanced diet uh, and to hell with that food pyramid. That oh, yeah. we, <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy, right? How, how nutrition has evolved over the years based on new information, new studies, and uh, just overall, you know, evolution. Yeah. And, uh, you know, previously when I was just, you know, doing straight nutrition, of course, you know, balanced, healthy eating, holistic living, all of that, um, you know, it was great and it worked for me. But once I opened the door to the whole food sensitivity side, it really changed the way I counsel and talk to people about diet. Because now I realized that, you know, even if someone is eating a quote unquote healthy diet, it might not be healthy for them. Mm. So a lot of foods that are considered healthy could potentially be a trigger for someone. So tell me, tell me more about this because that's what's changing over the years is, is there used to be like a set nutrition, like you should eat your vegetables and have this much of your protein and this much of your fiber and so on. Tell me, how, how, does, that, how does it vary per person? Well, especially now with the whole food sensitivity piece to the puzzle, um, I definitely withhold, you know, giving just generic nutrition advice. I know a lot of people will tell me, oh, I heard, you know, the superfoods, I need to include flaxseed and, you know, chia seeds and, right. you know, acai berries or whatever, you know, the, the latest fat is. Um, and I really hesitate to give a one size fits all kind of approach for people. I really like to dig deeper and find out, first of all, what are their areas of concern, you know, what's, what's bothering them. And of course, you know, definitely always integrating enough carbohydrates, protein, fat, fiber, and all of that. Um, of course, those are all important, but I like to dig deep and especially with this MRT, which is the food sensitivity test that I um, can order. What does MRT stand for? It's mediator release test. Oh. So it basically uh, tests the level of reaction and the uh, level of inflammation that occurs with 150 different foods and food chemicals and food additives. Wow. How do you test? What's, what's the test like? So basically, it's a blood draw. Um, and 
the blood is then analyzed and there's different food antigens that are being tested. So for instance, you know, there's a bunch of foods, you know, different grains, different meats, different nuts and seeds and beans and vegetables, fruits. So a bunch of those foods. And then also, in addition, chemicals and um, additives. So some chemicals are natural, like tyramine is natural one. Um, But then it also tests for like synthetic dyes and different things that could sometimes be in different medicine, Mm. supplements. Um, So the thing with food additives and foods, it's like, you can't really pinpoint what is causing a certain reaction because you can eat something or ingest something today and feel maybe some kind of feeling or inflammation right away, or it could be up to three days later. Oh, wow. So that's why this test is really helpful. It's like a guided elimination diet. So instead of, you know, sometimes when you go to the doctor and you tell them you have, you know, digestive issues, they might tell you, okay, stay away from gluten, stay away from dairy. Let's try that first. Um, But it's really hard to kind of guess and keep just stabbing in the dark, you know, like, hey, how about this week? I'll try to eliminate X, Y, Z and see how I feel. So the test really helps us hone in and figure out your safe foods. So from those 150 foods, we find out which foods you either have no reaction to or a safe amount of reaction to. And that's how we start to build your specific immunocom diet, which that's amazing to see how quickly our immune system can calm down when we stop ingesting inflammatory foods. It wow. can take days to, you know, a couple days up to 10 days sometimes for people to feel, you know, 50 to 80% relief in a lot of their symptoms. What's an example of um, some inflammatory foods? Is there a general? Well, everyone is different. Like I've had people be reactive to garlic or I've had someone be reactive to turmeric. Me personally, I mean, I got interested in even getting this extra certification because I had fellow dietitians that had had huge success with clients that were pretty much at their wit's end. They've tried everything. Like uh, they've been to the many multiple doctors for whatever digestive issue or migraine issue that they were having. And they were able to alleviate their symptoms by finding out what their food sensitivities were. Mm. And so for myself, I actually was having my own health issues and couldn't pinpoint what was triggering my um, heartburn, my had different digestive issues. I just felt, you know, chronic fatigue. I was like, not sure what was happening. I mean, it was after two kids. So I kind of put it off for a while thinking, oh, it's probably the kids, you know. But um, so before I went ahead and jumped to get certified, I wanted to kind of be the guinea pig and test it out on myself because, you know, you hear about so many tests out there on the radio. I mean, there's so many things. So it kind of sounded like, okay, I want to really find out, is this something that could really work for me? Yeah. So I went through the test. I actually, I went and paid a dietitian who was already certified. I went through the whole process as if I was like the perfect client. And it was just amazing how great I felt and how all of my symptoms disappeared pretty much. And I kind of didn't realize that I could feel that great. You know, sometimes we kind of, and I've seen this in my clients, they'll come in for one or two symptoms that they really think are their issue. And then later, a lot of times I hear, oh my gosh, this is the best I've ever felt. I never realized that I actually had this, you know, morning cough every morning or morning stuffiness. I just thought it was a normal part of my day. And then I would just push through it. So it depends. Everyone has a different tolerance for pain and what they accept in their day. Yeah. So this is something that's actually really personal to you. I mean, you are a living example of, of a success story in, in changing your eating habits and experiencing better health. Yeah. And I thought as a dietitian, I mean, I have this covered. I mean, I, I, I never realized that there was this other side to it, the food sensitivity side, because I never had food allergies and there's a difference with food allergies and food sensitivities. So I never had any major reaction that would be, you know, for a food allergy. That's it. So, so food allergy then is, is like somebody who's allergic to like shellfish and their lips puff up or their throat swells or something. That's an allergy. Yeah. But a sensitivity is different. What's, what's a sensitivity or what's an example of a sensitivity? Well, a sensitivity, the symptom is not usually as, you know, it doesn't come on as quickly as like anaphylaxis or, you know, some hives and things that are so obvious. So sometimes it can be even a subclinical inflammation that doesn't show up as any symptoms for a while. So sometimes people are just generally inflamed and they can be for years and years and years. And then later, that's why a lot of times they say, you know, yeah, all of a sudden my joints just started hurting. I don't know from what. So it could have been that they have been just inflamed for many, many years until the symptom finally showed up. Mm. 
So it's it could be like a accumulation of of years of kind of eating food that you're sensitive to, which caused all of a sudden my knee starts to hurt. Yeah, and a lot of times um, it's uh, based on dosage and frequency. So sometimes um, it can depend on if it's something that you eat a huge amounts of all the time. Like for me, for example, some of my inflammatory foods were tomato, cucumber, onion. Um, black pepper. Oh, I love cucumbers though. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up eating those and I think every base stew dish, yeah. you know, I'm Lebanese. So a lot of like the main dishes are tomato, onion. <laughs> so I just kind of, um, and you know, that was a big aha moment. Like, oh, that's why after I had those meals, I had those, you know, stomach issues. I just thought, oh, it was a high veggie, high fiber meal, you know, but now I just have made some small changes, you know, instead of tomatoes, I'll cook with bell pepper. Instead of onion, I'll cook with leeks. Mm. So pretty much, um, I avoid my trigger foods and as much as possible. Um, I'm in the maintenance phase now. You know, there is an end to it. It's not like I can never touch a tomato again, but I know how much I can handle. And it's just really nice to be in control and know. Yeah. I would think it'd be extremely important to, for everybody to know what they're sensitive to. Because, I mean, if we're talking about health, just overall well-being, you know, some people do when they get into their 30s and 40s, they start to, you know, they start to decline. And it's sad because, we, you know, nobody wants to start aging, mm -hmm. right? But the the better, the more you know, I guess, the better you are. So uh, if somebody is suffering from something right now, like stomach issues or digestive issues, what would you recommend? What's the first step? Well, I always like to talk to my clients um, or potential clients ahead of time. So I offer an initial screening call because I like to gather as much information as possible from the person to see if they would be a good fit, um, either symptom-wise and also lifestyle-wise, because uh, I never pitch this as a weight loss diet. I mean, I happened, I mean, I lost 30 pounds going through it in a couple months, and I've had clients in the first uh, 10 days either lose no weight couple pounds up to 17 pounds was the most I've had a client lose in the first 10 days. That all depends on if you retain water and what your specific um, situation is. But I definitely like to talk to my potential clients and just kind of get more information from them. And then if they seem like the right fit, um, then we can move forward. And I can, uh, I have a, the test kit, the MRT test kit, I can mail it to them. And let them go to a local lab, get their blood drawn. And then within 10 days of them getting their blood drawn, we can set up our first actual appointment where we would review the results and then set them up for phase one of the LEAP protocol. So mm. LEAP is the actual diet protocol. It's the immunocom diet, diet protocol that goes along with the MRT test. So it's okay. lifestyle, eating, and performance is what it stands for. Very cool. Does that include any kind of fitness or is it just nutrition? We, base, we focus on nutrition. I mean, I always talk, of course, about physical activity, hydration, sleep, breathing, the importance of all of that. You know, a lot of us... Yeah, it's important to breathe, right? <laughs> real deep breathing, <laughs> real good breaths. Um, but the LEAP protocol focuses uh, primarily on food. Okay. Very cool. And so once they... Okay, so they talk to you and they say, hey, um, I've been having stomach issues for the past six months and I'd really like to come to see you and uh, take this test or whatnot, and you see that it's a good fit, you you send them the kit, and then they do it at home? Oh, no. So um, basically, after I gather all the information, I'll um, p come up with a lab requisition form, and I'll mail the test kit to the client to then go to a local lab. I see. So you take the kit to the lab. Okay. The lab will draw your blood, ship your blood to the lab to get analyzed, and then I'll get the results, and then we'll set up our meeting. And, you know, my ideal client is someone that has been suffering and has not been able to pinpoint what their issue is. So someone that's maybe gone to, you know, a gastroenterologist or has gone to multiple different doctors and some that have tried, you know, different holistic measures and they just have not found any comfort. Yeah. Um, those are, I've found the type of people that are willing to just take whatever, <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, as far as like commitment wise, because it is a commitment to stick to, um, the protocol. Mm -hmm. It is pretty strict in the beginning because you are, um, for the first 10 days, more or less, you are eating from 20 to 25 different foods that are safe for you. Um, so that, you know, we definitely want someone that is able to stick to that and hopefully cooks or is willing to cook or at least, you know, buy foods at home and prepare them and maybe not, um, eat out for like the first, you know, 
solid two weeks to a month. Yeah. That's that's tough too because I know a lot of people who are just too busy to cook or too busy to kind of prep their own yeah. meals, so they rely on the, the either the fast foods or there's the pre-made foods, mm-hmm. and uh, that could be detrimental to your health. I mean, just having those processed foods, right? So yeah, basically, um, I mean, I definitely am the type of person that loves. I mean, I meet people where they're at, you know, and I'm very realistic. So if there's someone that has never cooked, I'm not going to expect them to all of a sudden start cooking. But Gordon there's, Ramsay. <laughs> but there's ways around it, you know, like even for me, when I did it personally for myself, I was working, I was driving almost two hours each way for my commute. Some mornings I'd wait, wake up late. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't prep my food. What am I going to do? So I always had my backup emergency plan. You know, I would grab the can of beans I can eat, the nuts and, you know, some, you know, lettuce or whatever I was going to be eating for the day. Um, so I definitely am able to help tailor the protocol to someone's lifestyle, you know? That's awesome because I, I can speak from experience having tried different diets. Uh, I, I actually, my wife and I turned, went vegan for a full two months and, uh, it was, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. It was definitely, we, we'd find, find substitutions for things and, um, you know, do our own kind of discovery but it was a general plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. We didn't know if we had food sensitivities to some of these ingredients and some of these, uh, even the plant-based things that we were eating. Right. Um, now, I've veered off of that now. But since then, we've been on a discovery period. Mm-hmm. And this it's almost, it's self-diagnosis. So to know somebody that actually is doing this is is a breath of fresh air because now we can kind of pinpoint to see what we each are um, sensitive to. Mm-hmm. And so... And I've had many people you know, approach me, either they're trying to become more plant-based or they are happy being vegan and that's what they want to be doing and eating. But they have realized, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I'm having all these issues and this is so weird. Like, how am I feeling worse when I'm eating better, you know? So, and that's, and then when we've dug deeper and done the test, we found, oh, okay, this person was having quinoa every day and almonds and, you know, a few things that they actually came up reactive to. So we were just able to kind of tweak their diet still keep them plant-based and vegan, um, if that's what they chose to be. And, um, you know, a lot of, you know, there's so many things. I mean, plant-based eating is also an area of my expertise and an area that I focus yeah, on as well. You're vegan, right? Yeah, actually. Cool. Um, I was, well, if we want to backtrack a yeah. little bit, when I was, Please. um, 15, I started having health issues and, wasn't really sure what was happening. And I would go to the doctor, they'd prescribe all these antacids and different things for me because I would get, you know, really bad, sharp pains in my chest and stomach. And I felt like I was, you know, getting an ulcer and um, later found out that I did have like the beginnings of an ulcer and some crystals in my gallbladder, but nothing that the doctors were giving me was helping. So that's kind of what peaked, well, that is what peaked my interest in nutrition. You know, that's when I was like, you know, there has to be a food you know, connection to this and I want to get healthier with food and not keep trying all these different pills that are not helping me. Yeah. So at that point I came across a book that, um, was about nutrition and eating. And in the book, the author was talking about how some people's bodies are not able to digest meat as well, that not everyone is meant to be eating meats. And, um, at that point I was desperate. I was like one of my ideal clients, I guess I would say right now. Um, so at that point I was, I just said, you know, I'm going to cut out animal products. So I stopped eating, meat and chicken and yeah, meat and poultry. Um, and instantly I started feeling so much better. Like I never had that heartburn again. I felt great. So since, you know, since I was 15, I've been pesca vegetarian, meaning I eat fish and, um, I still had eggs and cheese, but, um, about maybe nine months ago I turned vegan and, um, I feel great. (laughs) Well, that's, that's a, yeah, because people think they equate like vegan trying to be healthier. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, as a general rule of thumb, maybe vegetables are a good part, uh, you know, something good to have in your diet. Mm-hmm. But then some people like your friend or your, one of your clients who you said is went vegan, but then still experienced problems. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a general, you got to be vegan or you got to be, right. you know, you got to try this paleo diet or mm-hmm. uh, you got to be gluten free. I mean, it's, it's really more individual. Yes, definitely. And I know everyone's jumping on the gluten free bandwagon, but, um, you know, that might be the case for some people. It might be helpful to avoid that, but definitely, yeah, I am so not a one size fits all kind of person. So yeah. when people try to ask me, you know, family, friends, even just, you know, um, 
just a quick, oh, give me quick advice. I have this or that, or, you know, what should I eat? Or, you know, even they always say family is the worst client and they're always the ones that are like, oh, what about this pill that Dr. Oz told me about? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I heard this on TV. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, some kind of new superfood that you need to eat every single day or, you know, um, definitely like for me, you know, turmeric was one of my reactive foods and I know turmeric is a great anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. spice and garlic is great, but not for everyone. Right. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and it's um, it, it seems to be though you can't paint everything with a with a broad brush, right? You can't just say that one size fits all with nutrition, even exercise. Mm-hmm. And and um, but can we agree that the years there's two enemies <laughs> in this world, which are re, uh, processed foods and refined sugar? Are I, those just <laughs> bad all across the board, or what, am I wrong? I mean, I definitely promote a whole foods plant-based diet doesn't mean vegan, but whole food plant-based diet, meaning something that's not bought in a box (laughs) as pure whole ingredient that you can eat, the better. You know, I definitely, of course, we all snack on things that are boxed or snacks, you know, snack foods. Um, I just don't buy them at home because I know if they're there, then we're tempted to eat them. You know, I don't buy sodas because I know we'll drink them, you know? Um, So, I think just surrounding yourself with as much fresh produce as possible and fresh ingredients, that's the way to go. Yeah. Well, I have a huge sweet tooth and I have to add, you saw me add honey to my, to my tea. <laughs> uh, I, I try to do as little as possible, but what about sweeteners like uh, stevia? That one is, is a new one that I don't know that we've studied the long-term effects of it, but it is a plant-based, you know, uh, plant-based sweetener. So yeah. is that something that, I mean, in moderation or is that just... Well, suppose. again, because now I really focus on food sensitivities, I don't like to give straight advice, you yeah. know, as far as, you know, yes, this is the best sugar. Like for instance, I'm reactive to cane sugar, but not to honey. Mm. So I learned to drink my coffee with a little bit of honey okay. instead of sugar. At first people thought that was very weird. Like, how are you putting honey in coffee? Um, so again, I mean, stevia is a plant-based, so a little bit of a more natural source. But again, the body still um, perceives it as sugar, Right. you know. And that's the the thing about that was dangerous about the artificial sweeteners in the past that I've heard mm-hmm. is that you're tricking your brain into thinking that it's going to, or your stomach is going to receive sugar, mm-hmm. but the sugar never comes. Mm-hmm. So your stomach keeps sending signals to your brain saying, hey, I'm still hungry. And right. actually when you're drinking that Diet Coke or, you know, adding those artificial sweeteners, you're actually making yourself more hungry mm-hmm. because that sugar is never making it to your gut. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, I just, I just drink Diet Coke all day. That's zero calories, you know, but that actually does trick your brain and it makes you more hungry and you end mm-hmm. up eating more and gaining more weight. And I mean, we always had different phases like the fat-free phase, you know, yeah. fat-free cookies. And then that's around the time that Americans got the heaviest during the whole fat-free phase because... There was no fat in the di- in the product, but there was tons of sugar because mm. they have to replace it to make it still palatable. Yeah, and that's uh, now there's there's high fat diets, right? Like the the ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. It's you, you're managing a ketogenic state, so you have to have a certain amount of fat content. And then there's the saturated fats versus the um, what's the other one? The unsaturated. No, or? yeah, I think maybe, but there's there's a couple different kinds of fats, like the good fats and the bad mm-hmm. fats. I guess you can you can split them up into. Mm-hmm. But now they're saying even saturated fat is not bad for everybody. So, I mean, it, it's so it's so crazy and confusing. Yeah. So to wrap to wrap my head around this whole thing, really, it's individual. It's on an individual basis. Everybody has their own sensitivities, and everybody has their own, you know, reactions to things, and and a certain diet that they should adhere to to maintain a level of health. Yes. And so, but what about for like, uh, I'm newly married mm-hmm. and now my wife and I can possibly be uh, sensitive to different foods, mm-hmm. right? Or we might be able to, we might need different diets. Yep. So <laughs> that's, that's a reality, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I've had clients or potential clients call me and say, oh yeah, me and my husband, we heard about the program and, you know, our friends did great. We want to do it together. And I'm always telling them, no, <laughs> let's start with one person <laughs> who's the worst case right now. Um, and then get the whole, you know, routine and the system going. And then you can add, I mean, like we, I started with myself and then years later, my husband, and then another year later, my son. So I definitely never would do a whole family at once unless they were really adamant and I could feel that they could handle it. Cause you know, there's, there's ways around it, you know, like for instance, um, in my house, I just don't really buy tomatoes and cucumbers much. So it's not that I'm you know, obviously depriving the rest. I'm just kind of like, I still try to cook one main meal that we can all eat. And then, um, 
occasionally we'll, we'll have the tomatoes and the cucumbers and their salad, you know, so there are little tweaks that you can do to make it manageable. Yeah. Well, there's, because what we're trying to do now, and this is, this is again, part of the discovery period, we're trying to optimize our health and we have, we're active, you know, and so we're, we took care of that part of it, but the nutrition part, we disagree because mm-hmm. she, like I said, we, we, tur- we went vegan for a little while and it wasn't a bad thing necessarily, but I found myself very unsatisfied with the food that I was eating. Mm-hmm. There would be meals that are mind blowing and it's great. But then the other meals is like, oh, a mistake. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> so it, it's, I, I don't want to say, you know, the plant-based lifestyle is, is uh, a good or bad thing. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. so for somebody like us who, you know, she might need a different diet than I, we're, we're looking at two completely different meals pretty much, you know, for dinner or, mm-hmm. um, so then for a husband and wife who take the tech test separately mm-hmm. and they have their sensitivities, you'd have to find the foods in common. Yeah. Right? So actually, um, I did have a, cl- a couple, eventually they both did it. And then it was a little, little more challenging, but we came up with, um, I kind of combined the results and gave them their big list of what they can both have and then color coded the things that one could have and the other couldn't. So the base of their meals were the same. And then they would maybe have like, one would have maybe a piece of chicken, the other one would have a piece of beef, or they would have, you know, minor tweaks in their meal. Um, So it wasn't like they're cooking two completely different meals, you know? Mm. So I think the best advice then before you get into a serious relationship is to take this test (laughs) and then make sure you're compatible from a food standpoint. (laughs) But again, this test tests for 150 foods and there's thousands more foods out in the world. So... That's why it's important to, you know, couple it with the actual LEAP protocol and take it step by step and then build the, you know, build the, the bank of foods from that. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, how did you, you said you had food sensitivities and you just got curious about nutrition and that's mm-hmm. what kind of led you on this path. But what got you to this point now? Because you said you're, you have, a, you have some, some education in your background and you also have some certifications. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about your, uh, your path to that education. Did you go to college? Yeah. So in high school, I became really interested in nutrition and it was getting time to apply for colleges and decide what I'm going to do with my life. And I was a little indecisive as far, or I kind of was scared to make a decision at like 17, like what path am I going to take? But I figured, you know what? I really love the topic of nutrition. I will go ahead with that path because at least, and I was thinking worst case scenario, at least I'll know how to be healthy myself and I can help my family and friends. And then hopefully I'll love it enough to like make this my career. So I kind of took that kind of non-scary approach. I'm like, you know what? I, I want to learn more and I want to learn the real information because there's so, so much out there that's not evidence-based, science-backed, you know? So um, I went to, I did my undergrad at San Diego State and then I did my master's at uh, Cal Poly Pomona and I became a registered dietitian. I went, went through the internship and got certified in between my undergrad and master's. And then a couple of years ago, I got certified, LEAP certified. So I'm a, le- a certified LEAP therapist now on top of a registered dietitian. Very cool. And your business is called? Healthy Selfie. That's what it is. That's <laughs> awesome. I love the name. Yeah, it just uh, it seemed fun and trying to get people to be their healthiest selfie, healthiest version <laughs> of themselves. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so do you have a website? Yes, uh, www.healthyselfie.com. Very cool. And this is how um, you have uh, also a page on Facebook. It's uh, Vegan in Los Angeles or? Oh, yeah. So I have my Healthy Selfie page and then I also have uh, another group called Vegans in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, I so saw uh, you're pretty active on that. So it's kind of cool with the recipes you share and such. Yeah, I love to cook. So that's I'm always looking for new recipes and trying to swap out recipes, sometimes secretly with my family. Um, and kind of test it out with my kids first to see if they like it. Because yeah. if they'll eat it, then, you know, it's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Those are the worst critics or best critics, I should say. Yeah. Very cool. Do you see yourself being a vegan forever or do you want to switch it up and see what happens as you evolve? I actually am really happy where I'm at. You know, for many years, even as being a pescatarian, I have always known that I would eventually remove all animal products from my diet. It just was a matter of, I mean, I'm a lone ranger in my family (laughs) and most, yeah, family and extended family and 
you know, I have some, I have some good friends that are vegan, but for the most part, I'm the lone ranger at every yeah. family event. But because I love to cook and I think I cook pretty good, um, everyone's pretty pleased with whatever dish I bring to any occasion. And, you know, I've made swaps at home because I definitely think going more plant-based is just healthier in general, you know, mm. as far as, um, easy swaps. Like, so for with my kids, I, you know, we'll swap out as much animal or dairy products as possible. You know, they have, you know, they're used to having their cereal with soy milk and, uh, you know, their cream cheese is almond cream cheese and, mm. you know, different things that, that they don't, um, necessarily, I mean, they're vegetarian. Actually, my kids are pescatarian. My husband's not, Yeah, but he's a flexitarian. <laughs> <laughs> so he, That's he, cool. you know, entertains vegan diets uh, throughout the year off and on, but, um, yeah. Yeah, so for your solution then for family gatherings, because they're Lebanese and there's going to be meat everywhere uh-huh. and dairy, uh, your solution is bringing your own dishes. And um, and luckily, preparing. because our Lebanese cuisine is so plant-heavy, which I love, um, it has been really a non-issue. I mean, I was, I've always enjoyed the mezza, which is all the like plant-based, you know, bean dishes and the hummus and tabula, all the salads. I mean... There are, there's plenty to be, to get full yeah. on. <laughs> now you're speaking my language. <laughs> so yeah. That's great. What about travel? Like, do you prep meals when you travel? Um, I haven't really had to really pack stuff. I mean, this last summer was my first summer in Lebanon as a vegan. So that was very interesting because, um, I've always been pescatarian. So, you know, people already knew that about me and kind of accommodated as needed. Um, so in that situation, you know, it was a little bit challenging just being invited to so many people's houses and things having eggs and dairy in them and things. But again, because of the traditional cuisine, there's tons of vegan options for me. Yeah. 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 But I mean, there's, uh, there's, there's an actual, uh, I forget where I heard it or read it, but they were talking about just having the Mediterranean diet Mm -hmm. because of all the, the good oils and, and the plant-based nutrition and things like that. So, I mean, but even that, that's not for everybody. Right. Because it can lead to problems, either sensitivities, allergies, or even uh, weight problems. So for somebody who's trying to manage their weight, though, mm-hmm. they that wouldn't be your ideal client. You're not trying to tell them how to lose weight. You just want to point them or point them away from the sensitive foods, correct? Yeah, I mean, of course, um, I don't like to turn anyone away if they want help and they, you know, and we seem like a good fit and I can help them. You know, there's, um, you know, obviously as a dietitian, I can help with diabetes and weight loss and all of that. Um, but as far as going through the test and the leap protocol, um, if it's someone that is definitely suffering from inflammatory conditions after, you know, hearing what their symptoms are, I would definitely feel more comfortable having their test results to then plan a really personalized diet for them. Cause yeah. I would hate to send them off saying, yeah, eat some kale and broccoli and <laughs> add this to your diet. And you know, um, that's why I hesitate now a little bit more, yeah. you know, to just give the generic, um, nutrition advice. Yeah. But it's, this, it's usually with nutrition advice. It is the, the sign of a good advisor is to kind of hold back, you know, refrain from just saying, Oh yeah, just do this and don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. it it's really individual. And that's, that's the, the trend that I'm seeing. And I'm, I'm glad that you're doing it because it seems to be, there's a need for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, with the mixed pot of just who we are in, in Los Angeles and just the U S as a whole, there's so many different melting pots of countries and pockets and different foods, uh, sources of different foods and things that are incredibly hard to manage. Yeah. So on an individual basis, you know, it's really important. And I like to make it very personalized also as far as culturally or what the person typically eats. Like I'm not going to tell someone that, you know, has never had, you know, pumpkin seeds in their smoothie to all of a sudden add pumpkin seeds or, you know, or if there's, you know, someone that never has had cottage cheese, I'm not going to say, oh, have some cottage cheese as your snack, you know? So what about the, the organic versus, you know, just non-organic vegetables or is that, is that a big priority for you? It is and it isn't. So I definitely think that if someone can access it and afford it, I would definitely say go organic whenever possible, especially there's um, new lists that are released each year, the Dirty Dozen and the Clean Mm. clean 15. (laughs) So definitely the dirtier plants and fruits and vegetables, I would say get organic um, when possible, of course. I mean, my first step is if someone's not eating enough fruits and vegetables, just get them some more fruits and vegetables. But if someone is, um, and it's becoming more and more because the demand has gone up, the prices have gone down and you can find organic everywhere, I feel. Um, So I would definitely say organic Okay. Going organic. And you, you mentioned the dirty dozen. So when you say dirty vegetables, what do you, what do you mean by that? 
So um, typically they're fruits or vegetables that the pesticides are e more easily, uh, I guess, absorbed mm. into that, you know, fruit or vegetable. So there's, you know, a lot of times it's berries, lettuce, you know, there's different ones that come out each year. Um, so those are the ones that I would say if someone was on a budget that they would um, maybe make sure that those foods, fruits and vegetables are um, the ones that they choose to buy organic. Okay. And so it's uh, it, initially, if you're not getting enough fruits and vegetables, start there. Start there, yeah. Yeah, anything. Just just do something, right? right? And then we'll focus on yeah. the fine tuning and stuff. And even like frozen that. and canned, you know what I mean? That is something that is useful and has its use. I mean, a lot of times frozen is a lot fresher because mm -hmm. it's, you know, frozen right away at, the, at its peak. <laughs> yeah. You know? And have you done any kind of, because we talked about organic, but have you done any any kind of research as to foods that are sourced outside of the U.S.? Um, as far as... Well, you know, because you know how some people, uh, well, some people that I've heard that travel to other countries, they'll eat the meat, they'll eat the cheese, they'll eat the bread, and they won't have the same full, like, you know, un unsatisfactory mm -hmm. feeling in their gut as they would here if they ate the same foods. Well, some, I mean, there's many things that it could be. Some could be that it's maybe it's local and it is pesticide free, hormone free, you know, and maybe raised on smaller farms if it's animal products. Um, so I definitely promote as much as possible local organic, mm -hmm. you know, I, I get a farm box every two weeks because I would love to say I can go to the farmer's market every <laughs> week and pick up my groceries. But with two kids and a husband and work and all that, I don't always make it out. I mean, of course, it's more fun to go to the farmer's market, but I have a box delivered every two weeks. So that helps me base my, you know, my fruits and vegetables I know are local and organic. Yeah. And with the farm box, is it just the service you subscribe to? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And is, um, does that, so you've never actually done the, the, the research to see whether or not that has, but there is the, the mass production of food in mm -hmm. America that has led to needing more efficient ways to grow. Like, you know, they talked about the wheat uh, you know, the, the high yield wheat nowadays that, that, that is causing the sensitivities to gluten. That's mm -hmm. causing this whole gluten-free movement and, um, uh, the farm animals and, you know, hormones and things like that. So mm -hmm. that kind of stuff even if it's a local farm or, or uh, provider, it could still be tainted with things, right? I mean, I mean, definitely, if it is local, I would want it to be organic, and I would make sure that it was, you know, hormone-free, you know, as much yeah. as possible. So I try to do my research on where I get my, my produce from. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, it's, it's good to know where your food's coming from. We just don't, there's a disconnect, mm -hmm. you know, with the average consumer who uh, just even from the grocery store, mm -hmm. it, it may say like Foster Farms or right. whatever farms or whatever, <laughs> but that's just a no name, you know, it's somewhere in the Midwest, right. right? Like we don't know exactly where that comes from. So, um, but there is, there is the, uh, the basics of it. I mean, if you were really to kind of start somewhere, you say avoid sugar or reduce sugar as much as possible. Don't, don't stick to the fast foods and the boxed foods, mm -hmm. but s gradually start, right. right? So the first step being, you know, uh, go to healthyselfie.com yeah. and, <laughs> and then check it out. But really the, the essence of it is just kind of starts, start slow because yes. it's really overwhelming. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, they call it infobesity because there's so much information out yeah. there and it's so confusing to know what to do and where to start. So that's why I like to have that initial talk to see where the person is at. You know, yeah. um, sometimes people are doing great in certain areas and they just need a little boost in other areas, you know? And, um, so as long as we can just make small steps, you know, to start cooking at home, you know, even just eating more fruits and vegetables. I mean, a lot of us kind of go through days or, you know, without even having a fruit or a vegetable, you yeah. know? I was guilty of that. <laughs> I, if you don't make a conscious effort to, you know, put something on your plate that's going to, that's going to feed you nutritionally, mm -hmm. then it's, it, it, you know, it's easy to go through the drive-thru. Yeah, definitely. Pick up something on the way home because it's late and mm -hmm. you haven't eaten yet and you're hungry. Yeah. I always, I mean, a couple things that I try to do is whenever I have time, even if it's super late at night after the kids are sleeping, I'll just try to pre-prep and chop up stuff. I mean, I, if I have like a Tupperware full of chopped lettuce, I'm more likely to whip up a salad the next day. You know, so I try to chop up vegetables ahead of time. That way it's easier to quickly stir fry them or eat them raw and definitely try to include like a nice fresh raw salad, you know, with, with most of our meals at home. Yeah. And just forming good habits. Yep. 
So that's that's a great start. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys do you guys? Um, you said you mentioned you you went to Lebanon, but uh, you studied abroad too, right? Yeah, I uh, always love to travel. I mean, that's I've always had that travel bug. Uh oh, somebody's breaking in this. <laughs> Hopefully, that's not your car. I don't think so. <laughs> I hope not. Um, so yeah, I've always loved to travel, and um, I decided, and during my undergrad, I'm, I saw that all the study abroad options. I'm like, you know what? I need to just do it, you know. So if I, when is when am I gonna have another time to like disappear for six months? So yeah, my last semester, one of one of my last semesters of college, I studied abroad in Australia. So I did my nu- nutrition courses there in Australia, and it was amazing. And I, I totally recommend it to anyone. Yeah, studying abroad or studying just studying abroad. Period. Okay. But Australia was was the bomb. Yeah. Com. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So what what was your favorite part about Australia? What what uh, would you like about it? People, super nice, super friendly. Um, it was really interesting going to a country where they speak English, mm. but in the beginning it was like, whoa, very crazy to see how many things I didn't understand. And I was so, I would jot down, I had this little notebook that I'm like, <laughs> whenever I'd hear like a new funky word, I'm like, oh my gosh, how funny, that's what they say for that, you know? Like uh, once we were out eating and I said, oh my God, I'm so stuffed. And they all looked at me funny and they're like, oh, stuffed means pregnant. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> You know, so yeah, just really fun people um, exploring. I mean, I, I actually did a lot while I was there. I bought a car, very old 1970 Mitsubishi, wow. like funky little car. I waitressed there. I went and traveled around, you know, on the weekends and my sisters actually came out to visit and then I became their tour guide for like <laughs> a month which was a crazy experience. That's a long visit. Yeah, it was a long visit. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So you, you went out there to study, but yeah. you, you, you still you got a job and you had time to travel around Australia. Yeah. That's cool. It was really fun. What else did you learn from, from just a different, I guess it's the same language, but different culture? Yeah, different culture. Um, just, I don't know. It was just really interesting. I mean, I obviously noticed the food things there, like, oh, their portion sizes are way smaller than ours. Mm. And, you know, they don't get like free refills on their sodas, which is awesome because <laughs> I just, it's crazy. People don't realize all the free refills that we have, the like endless fries at restaurants. I'm like mind blown that that even happens and that, yeah. that that's even an option because of course people are going to take it. You Bottomless know? fried shrimp plates. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And the sodas, I mean, talk about sugar. I mean, you have, you don't notice you get two, three, four refills. That's like five, six, 700 calories just in your drink. Yeah. And it's about 40 to 50 grams of sugar per, per cup. Yeah. Which it's pretty is crazy. insane. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Wild. <laughs> Did you notice anything different about their um, lifestyle? Uh, anything other than, you know, the food? Um, very laid back, relaxed, very helpful. I remember I was driving once and I, was at the gas station and I was lost. I didn't know where I was going. And I asked someone like, Oh, do you know how to get to, you know, wherever I was going? And they're, Oh yeah, you know, follow me. I'll, I'll, I'll show you. And I was like, Oh my gosh, follow you. This sounds really scary (laughs) for coming from LA, but I just trusted him. And he sure enough drove me like five, 10 minutes off, off his path. And then just kind of, you know, pointed the direction of where I needed to go and continued on. So I just over and over again, I noticed people were very nice. Yeah. And very excited that an American was speaking American, you yeah. know? And I was <laughs> I know, like, you right? guys have a cooler <laughs> accent than I do. <laughs> they think we have an accent, Yeah, right? and that weird. was the weirdest thing to me. Yeah. And then it was interesting, obviously, anyone that lives in Australia is going to have an Australian accent. So you see all different types of, you know, cultures and people, you know, Chinese and Indian and Middle Eastern, and they all have an Aussie accent. And you're like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, it's an obvious thing. But for the for a second, I'm like, wait. <laughs> yeah, it just c- catches you off guard just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But it was cool. cool. They had a Chinatown and a bunch of different little, you know, pockets of mm. different cultures. Kind of reminded me of like LA, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty diverse. Yeah, very diverse. Nice. And you've been to Lebanon uh-huh. several times? Yes. Okay. What, yeah. Tell us about Lebanon. Um, well, I, first time I went, I was 16. My, my dad used to go back and forth for work. He was doing construction, um, management at the time. And instead of him coming to visit one time, he's like, Hey, how about all of you guys? There were four girls and my mom, um, come visit me this time. So we're like, yeah, that sounds fun. So we went and we stayed for a month and a half, which was like a long first time trip to go somewhere and had the best time ever. It was just amazing. Um, it was just cool to finally see like our culture live in action, like, you know, not just at relatives' houses, you know, yeah. it was just so much fun. And, um, 
as much as people think, oh, it's so scary and not safe and I can't believe you're going, everyone there lives life to the fullest. Every day is like a party. You're yeah. like, okay, there might have been some civil unrest in the north, you know, that day. But, you know, you go to the beach and everyone's at the beach partying at night, um, eating, drinking and enjoying life. Yeah. The misconception day. is that people see these little pockets of, of un, un, unrest, we could call it, mm-hmm. in, in different areas of the country, but then they think that's what's going on everywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. And that's bad because I'm, we're over here in Glendora, and if something's happening in downtown LA, we barely notice it or know about it, right. you know, unless we pay attention to what's going on in the news. Mm-hmm. So it's really, you know, it's really not fair to judge an entire even city, let alone a country, by a little pocket of what's going on. Right, and we'd have people calling us from here saying, oh my gosh, are you guys okay? We just saw some, you know, something on the news. We're like, what? Like, we didn't even know anything was happening because everything, you know, it was just a small contained issue that, yeah. you know, got blown up. Yeah. Blown up. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> wrong word to wrong, use. Yeah. But did you, have you traveled anywhere else? Uh, yes, I've been to Thailand, um, England, Paris. My brother-in-law lives in Belgium, uh, Amsterdam, Hawaii, Vegas, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Vegas, the ultimate destination. Yeah. Um, yeah. So awesome. I love, yeah, I love traveling. Just, I'm hoping to go maybe to Japan. My husband really wants to go to Japan. Ooh, I would love to go there. I yeah. would love to go to Spain and Italy. And We're planning a trip to Japan. Oh, yeah. For our, for our one year anniversary. Awesome. Yeah. We're, we're working on it. Heard right amazing now. things about it. Yeah. It seems very interesting where you can get the, the modern Tokyo kind of. Um, vibe but then there's other cities that are that are more historic and more cultural and mm-hmm. you can just enjoy different different experience different cities so yeah uh yeah we're looking forward to that that's awesome yeah what about um so uh, from what i've learned in my travels though i've seen so many different people and interacted with so many different people but in essence they're they're all wanting the same thing or having a, a universal need mm-hmm. which is you know food water shelter security yep Right. And, and in essence, that's what we want as humans. But there's a little more appeal when you actually see the culture in its raw form mm-hmm. as opposed to the generic, you know, touristy version of right. it. So uh, you mentioned Thailand and you mentioned, you know, London and, and Paris and things like that. So uh, did you get a sense of those those local vibes or did you just do the touristy stuff? Definitely in Thailand, very local vibes. And it was really interesting. We stayed in huts and we were just able to, you know, eat and walk and interact with just the everyday people. And it was just amazing. And they are so nice, so nice, so hospitable, so accommodating, so just wanting to learn about me and, you know, happy to share stories about them. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I love to, I don't think I've ever done like a, organized tour not that there's anything wrong with that because i think when you're at a, in a big country that you don't know i i think that's a great way especially if you have a limited time to go see like what you you know yeah but um yeah i like to hopefully either go with someone that is familiar with the area or has been there and get some recommendations that way yeah it's it's definitely <clears throat> it's definitely an experience for somebody who hasn't been outside of the u.s mm-hmm. it's in very important to experience other cultures because it opens your eyes to just what's going on in the world Mm -hmm. and it's um it it avoids having you be so Mm narrow-minded and and uh one-dimensional so it's a beautiful thing to hear that you know you love it and have you traveled with your kids you said yeah and i that's i was just gonna say i love traveling with them they love it and they're just, I mean, they've been to Lebanon now. We go every single year. So they like look forward to it. They count down the days till we're going to go. And, you know, f- some funny things or interesting things when we're there, you know, electricity goes on and off all the time. That's, that's so normal. In the beginning, the first trip, they freaked out, you know, they'd get all scared. And now it's like, they just sit there in the dark and just wait for it to come back on. And yeah. even my little five-year-old was like, even though, you know, Lebanon, the people drive crazy and the lights go on and off. I still like it. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love that those are the two things that they associate with is like the, the that. But it's like rolling blackouts, right? They, yeah. This is, that's a common thing. Oh, yeah. How often do they go out? I mean, I think there's even, depending on where we are, like if we're up in the village, it's like a certain time of day every day that the electricity goes off and then the, the motor turns on and it comes back on. Um, 
I would say daily, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow. That's something to get adjusted to. Yeah. So crazy. I so, like that they're able to kind of see different ways that people live, you know, and they can, they're easy to travel with now. So. Oh yeah. That's good. They do well with long flights. Yeah. Cool. How old are they? Seven and five. Seven and five. Okay. Yeah. Those are great ages. Yeah. So they, they love it and they remember things. So sometimes I think, are they even going to remember this trip? And then they'll tell me something from a year ago. I'm like, oh, cool. So they are remembering <laughs> what, That's awesome. what we're doing. Very cool. <laughs> so, so what's next for Healthy Selfie? What's your, what's your vision for the future? Well, I've recently moved to Glendora. So I'm excited to kind of, you know, uh, interact more with some of the local doctors um, and kind of just, you know, get to know some more people in the area as far as uh, getting some more clients and spreading the word. And, you know, I love helping people. That's my my weakness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's a weakness. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely, I get very interested and, you know, just... Um, as much as I can help someone like feel better, period. Like I just, you know, I feel like everyone deserves to live a healthy, happy, productive life. Yeah. Well, it's not a weakness. It's a strength. (laughs) We definitely need more people who are interested in helping others. Mm -hmm. And through whatever it may be, through advice or, um, you know, what consulting, like you, what you would do Mm -hmm. and things like that. So, um, you're moving, you moved your office to Glendora. Yeah, so I have an office in Glendora, and um, yeah, so I actually, I see clients in the office, but I also offer virtual consultations, and I've found that a lot of people request that, actually. At first, I wasn't sure, Mm. but more and more people just don't want to drive in traffic, and they want to be in the comfort of their own home, and we can do um, virtual consultations via Skype or other, you know, other other ways, and um, I even did some while I was abroad, (laughs) you know, because people, you know, I still need to talk to my clients, and sure. And it worked out. So, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to meet people where they're at. You know, I've even ha- had to meet people at coffee shops if it was closer to them and I was able to like, be flexible or, you know. Yeah. Um, so I try to make it easy and manageable. And I actually love, like, doing extra things like shopping for people if they are having difficulty finding certain ingredients. You know, I get really invested in my clients. And yeah. I'm always texting with them back and forth if I find a new product that I think that they would love that's very pure. <laughs> sure. Well, that's, it, that's a level of commitment that I'm sure your clients appreciate because, you know, if somebody is having a problem and they're going to their doctor and their doctor's like, here, try these pills. And then they try them and they're like, well, now this is good, but then something else hurts. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor prescribes another pill. So now you're taking two different pills and so on. And it just gets to a frustrating level yeah. where they could just come see you and, and, you know, at least identify certain things that might be triggering these feelings. Yeah, and sometimes it, I've even found for a few people that it was maybe the vitamin supplement they were taking, some of the inactive ingredients might be their inflammatory wow. food. So like some supplements are coated with either soy or corn or gelatin. So depending on if that person happens to be sensitive, they're like, oh, that's why I started taking vitamin D and I felt worse. So mm. then we just switched their vitamin D, you know? So I like to investigate and yeah. dig deeper. <laughs> You're like a nutrition PI. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Food detective. <laughs> what's, the, what's the difference between um, active and inactive ingredients? So the inactive ingredients is basically um, just what the needs to be added to the pill in order for it to be, you know, either in the capsule or to be swallowed. So it's not the part that's actually doing anything. I see. You know, tr- you know targeting any issue. Like the coating of yeah, a certain the pill. Yeah, the coating. Or, mm-hmm. Okay. So I've become very familiar with inactive ingredients. And, yeah. <laughs> and just, uh, you know, being in label, uh, I won't say the... Reading label. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's you know, the um, uh, that's one thing that I learned in my adventure so far. So far, it's a one-year adventure. We started mm-hmm. last December, and here we are. But um, label reading. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the simplistic, if you want to just boil it down, is the, the, fewer, the, la- the fewer the ingredients, usually, yeah. you know, the better. Fewer uh, the better is kind of the, a, good, a good rule of thumb. Ingredients that you can understand and read, you know. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I look at all ingredients. I mean, it's so easy to be misguided by just what the marketing or the advertisement of the actual product is, you know, like even in a rush, I was really quickly buying like organic peanut butter and I didn't, I was like, how did I not look at the label? But (laughs) I came home, I'm like, oh great, this has cane sugar and it has all these other things in it. And I was like, oh my gosh. So then, I mean, 
now I went back and I get the organic peanut butter, make sure it just has peanuts and salt yeah. or peanuts and that's it, you know? So it's really crazy. I mean, great products are out there, but you just mm-hmm. really have to look. Because things, I remember as a kid when, when we'd have peanut butter or buy peanut butter in the regular jar, not nothing fancy, but it would separate and you'd have the oil on top mm-hmm. and then the, the, you know, the peanut would settle. But nowadays the, the peanut butter doesn't separate. Right. And I'm like, what are they, I know. what, a lot what of, are they putting in there? Yep. <laughs> emulsifiers and different things that, yeah. you know, get it to, yeah. I mean, look at the typical Skippy or Jif and you'll see like a ton of ingredients, yeah. you know, but basically peanut butter should just be peanuts right. and salt if you want it salty, right. you know? So what farmer's markets do you shop at or how do you seek them? Um, I know of the local, I mean, I've actually, I've been to a bunch, you know, all over the place, but the closest one to me is in, in Covina. So I go to the Covina farmer's market. That one's really fun. It's every Friday night, like from five to nine and they usually have some kind of entertainment. You know, they used to have horseback ride or horses for kids to ride yeah. on. And um, there's one in San Dimas. Um, and yeah, those are the two main ones that I go to. Okay. And what kind of, is it pretty, you know, seasonal as far as what they what they provide or is it year round? Um, pretty seasonal. Um, there are certain times of year where they don't really have much produce. So it's a lot of just, you know prepared foods that are maybe not the healthiest things. And then of course, arts and crafts and other things that they sell. Um, so that's why I kind of rely on the farm box. It's been my, my go-to every two weeks. I can tailor what I'm ordering, what I want for that week. And it's all, you know, seasonal and fresh and delicious. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. And so, so we talked about that. We talked about the source and now the future as far as moving and, uh, having this office location now. So all of it's pretty exciting. Yeah. You've got a lot going for yourself. So, um, for people who want to connect with you, how do you want them to, to reach you? How would you, um, like them to contact you? Well, they can contact me via email. So it's Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E at healthyselfie.com. That's probably one of the best ways to reach me. And then by phone, which I should have my phone number memorized. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of us Nowadays, we don't even have any, any of this stuff memorized. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, my website as well, for sure. And then on my Facebook page, Healthy Selfie. And Instagram, healthy.selfie is my Instagram name. And then my phone number, the local phone number is 626-626-7673. Awesome. Easy to remember. So is there uh, one last question, though, I do want to find out about, because you, you did mention something that uh, uh, I wanted to get into real quick, which is your uh, charitable donations and things oh. like that. So mm-hmm. there is, you know, I try to try to promote as many charities as possible. There are a lot that are well-known, mm-hmm. but then there are a lot that, ha- you know, people have not heard about, but are, you know, and just as good of a cause. Mm-hmm. So what do you, do you do something regularly with uh, any kind of charity? Um, I used to regularly donate to Mercy Corps. Um, and then I just, I've always donated, you know, to different causes. I never really focused on just one, but one of my big passions that I've realized now that I guess I've always been passionate about is the planet and the earth and the environment. I mean, even at 10 years old, I was just remembering, I'm like, oh my gosh, how funny. My cousin who bakes cakes baked me a cake that was like the world, everyone holding hands. And it said, you know, like save the world, (laughs) um, heal the planet. So what I've actually been focusing a lot on is trying to live more of a plastic-free life Mm. as much as possible and reducing my use of plastic and, um, recycle. I mean, I've always been really big on recycling, donating clothes, shoes, money as needed, you know, to different, um, organizations. And, um, at home we've kind of, you know, more and more I've, uh, we've cut out using plastic toothbrushes. So now we use the bamboo toothbrushes straws. We don't use straws anymore. I bought stainless steel straws. Um, and I pack my kids a trash free lunch. Nice. (laughs) So everything, you know, reusable. So as much as possible. I mean, I've always been like that and I've always instilled that in my kids too. Like whenever they're brushing their teeth, you're wasting water, turn it off. You know, like they, they just, they're very aware. Well, well. plastics is the big one because there's, there's actual floating islands of plastic in our oceans that people don't know about. Yeah. That it's, it's a shame that there are cleanup projects that I've seen and I'm super excited to see the, the benefits of those. Some of, some of them are not ready to launch yet, but there's one and I forget what it's called, but it's like a massive, like V-shaped deal just floating in the middle of the ocean that's that uses the ocean's currents to catch the plastic Mm. and then funnel it into the central collection chamber that they 
come and empty out every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see those in action and see yeah. see what happens. So I know, and even my son, he like he whenever we're walking, he wants to just like pick up trash, and you know. So now he wants one of those like plastic those picker upper <laughs> yeah. picker upper things. I'm like, okay, I'll get that for you for Christmas. Yeah, you know. So just just trying to be aware and reduce as much plastic as possible. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything else you want to promote on uh, on the show before we cut out? Um, anything else? Well, I'm just excited to meet new people and see how I can help. And, you know, I'm always very curious to just get people to the next level of feeling better. You know, awesome. whatever that means to them. Yeah. So. Excellent goal. <laughs> well, Christine, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, healthy selfie. Thank you so much Bye for having now. me. <laughs> Bye. All right, everybody. See you. Well, there you have it, Christine Boo Slayman, slanging some nutrition knowledge. You can find Christine at HealthySelfie.com. She's also on Instagram and Facebook at HealthySelfie. Let me know what you think of the show. Leave a review and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing interviews I have lined up. This is my first show, so your feedback is so important to me. I want to put out valuable content that's going to benefit you, and I'm honored that you tuned in and hope you're one step closer to your success.